0: Before diving into today's episode, did you know that this podcast has a supporters club? By becoming a member, you not only gain access to exclusive content, but also play a crucial role in supporting your favorite podcast. See the link in the episode description to find out more. Now, let's get back to the episode. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, hey, where's Wolfen? Really? Didn't come in the mail? Damn, so how am I supposed to do... Uh, Well, actually, you know what? I got enough films to cover for tonight. The people have been waiting, and I can't have them wait any longer. So, welcome to the J360 Monster Fest here on J360 Radio. J360 Legion, welcome to another night here at the J360 House for another installment of the J360 Monster Fest on the J-Man Show. Whole lot of J's, huh? Well, I'll be honest with you all, as of recording the uh, werewolves, the reason why I've been waiting on this episode is, is because I was waiting for this movie to come in. You know, Wolfen, one of the greatest werewolf movies of all time. In addition to, like, Wolfen is kinda like, say, how Fright Night was for vampire films in the 80s. Or then again, you could say it's a tie for uh, Silver Bullet, or you could also say, like, one of the other movies we're covering today, which is The Howling. But Wolfen is up there. Very well done film. So, I can always wait till next time. But, I already have two to cover the slate, and uh, we're gonna revisit a classic too. And I hope you're all doing fine, because guess what? It is the 23rd. So, you know, the 31st, it'll be here soon enough. But then again, some of you still... ah, If any of y'all are really running late, you know, you can go ahead and just make your costume. I mean, after all, all you need is a white sheet, you just put it on yourself, and a... Uh, You know what? Never mind. Never mind. Negative connotations. Don't even think about doing that. Not even, not even in your dullest moments. Just go get like some, uh, baking soda or something like put it in your hair, dust it around you, make yourself look as ghastly as you can. As for me, I don't have that problem because you see, the J-Man is naturally hairy. So, if I just keep my full beard where it needs to be, and I just go ahead and let, like, my hair grow into a little bit of an afro and stuff, and pop some contacts in, and Grow my nails out, I pretty much got my costume already. Not to mention, you know, uh, all I gotta do is wear like one of my cloaks and stuff, and that'll work. <laughs> I either be a monster with style, or I just go ahead and be the blackest werewolf you've seen yet. Man, I wonder if there is a black werewolf movie. There probably is, though. I mean, I discovered Blackenstein not too long ago, so I wouldn't be surprised if there was one. Uh, But other than that though, I hope you all have been doing fine and keeping things in your ghoulish delights. You still got plenty of time until the old evening hours, and hell, some of you guys celebrate in November anyway. Before we get started though, I want to remind you all that we're going dark next week here on J360 Radio. Yeah, I'm going to be taking the time off for myself, it's my birthday week, and I'm going to be chilling out for um, this week and next week so you guys get to relax. Now keep in mind, it's not like you won't get any content. Believe me, you'll you'll have something to keep you um, satisfied for a while. It's just I won't be here live. So, you know, until then, if you guys want to give a a couple of shout-outs to me, uh, my birthday's not until the 30th, so if you want to do that, you can go ahead and call the J360 hotline number, leave a couple of voicemails. That number will be 240-903-1634. Keep it clean, but then again, if it's really funny, I really don't care. I'll, I'll play it back anyway when I come back. But, till then, let's get into it, though. We do have some movies to cover the slate. We have The Howling, and we have Wolf, 1994 Wolf, with Jack Nicholson in it. And he did a fine job in this movie. And we also have Revisiting the Classic by the man, Lone Cheney Jr. himself. The Wolfman 1941. Actually, let's go ahead and get that out of the way because I covered it a lot on the first Monster Fest last year. But you see, looking back at it again, this movie is still pretty suspenseful and it managed to hold the tides of time. And I've noticed a trend with certain films, especially with this going into the other ones that I've seen today. Werewolves got a thing for the blondes, don't they? It's usually the main actress is a blonde woman. <laughs> now, 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 before some of y'all say, like, oh, oh, what, blondes do it better? I guess in the werewolf universe they kind of do, unless you count, like, Underworld. But, you know, it's it's very interesting that each movie that I've seen for the Monster Fest lineup today pretty much has, you know, the, the main actress has blonde hair. Nothing really bad happens to them other than they're thrown into peril and they're almost killed. But, in wolf circumstances, I mean... She managed to get something a little bit different. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer, back in the day, remember when everybody was about her because her role as Catwoman? Yeah, like, in that particular movie, she did get like a whole lifestyle change as soon as, uh, she interacted with, uh, James Spader as a Wolfman. So, you know. And man, he, he did a pretty fantastic job as well. You know, I've been describing Wolf a lot. Might as well jump into that one first. Ah. Uh, <clears throat> Ah, oh, the 90s. You remember the 90s, right? The 90s, you'd get away with a lot of things. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal thought he could rap and be a genie and eventually play a steal. And then not to mention certain other movies that should not be named on this show. But you see, he get away with a lot of stuff in the 90s. I think there was a grown-up movie with Peter Pan in it as a, Of course, it was called Hook. And despite what anybody says, Hook is a damn fine film. No matter what anyone says. Whatever your gripe is... It was good. But you see, there was a gym nestled in the nineties, and that particular gym was called Wolf, featuring Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer, James Spader. Christopher Plummer playing himself, you know, as the uh, the ruthless yet kindly rich man who seems to just show up there just either to be Hmm I, I wanna buy this company today and I want to demote the uh, lead editor in charge for his younger assistant because, you know, basically he's too old and we can't move on with him. And you see Jack Nicholson playing the role of the editor-in-chief, Will Randall, who is going through a existential crisis. You know, he's getting up there in age. He's not really feeling himself. He's not as a shark like he would be. And you see, little did he realize, though, that his best friend and former understudy, played by James Spader is gunning for his job left and right and you see james spader is one of those kind of people back in the day i don't know what it is about him i think as i look through his filmography the only role that seems to be like he's a good person in like like a, one of the heroes i want to say is stargate because every other role that seems to be pretty nasty you know like one of those molly ringwald films i think it was pretty in pink i mean he was a insufferable jerk in that one and then you look at all the other movies where he played as a rich prep and it's like wow man (laughs) it's like he really he really eventually would become ultron for all of us and this movie was no different because he was insufferable he was like this one guy that was in j360 that tried to kiss up to me for some reason i'm like you know pal don't kiss up to me i don't like it it's not cool forget you and i threw his behind out too as soon as i canceled the show (laughs) i do not like kiss ups never have never will so if you ever plan to work with me just be yourself okay but going into it though ac he also see the thing is is that this guy was not only gunning for his job he was gunning for everything about him and he was like uh what would you want me to do uh tell me what i need to do will And and I'll go ahead and I'll do it. And yada, yada, yada. And see, people like sycophants. They like sycophants like that because you know that's somebody they can control and somebody they can easily mold into something. But whenever you meet somebody like that, you know there's something ulterior underneath of it. And that's one of the things that you should keep an eye on. And you see, the thing is, Will Randall knew about it, but Will Randall, he's up there in his age. Will Randall is uh, Jack Nicholson, by the way. He's up there in age. So he doesn't really feel like he should, you know, fight back, and he's become pretty much a doormat. Anybody could walk all over him. The only two that were on his side was his secretary and his um and one of his top salesmen that would work with him, who later plays as um who later plays on Frasier, I think, as Niles. Yeah. But you see, the thing is, Will Randall's life is about to change. Because one night he was strolling out in the backwoods of New England, aka Vermont, because that's where all this stuff usually happens. He manages to ride through the snow drifting areas and hits a wolf. And when he hits a wolf, it's kind of brutal for when you look at it, for 1990 standards, it's like, yo, he really nailed him in that one. And so he came out there to see how badly he hit the wolf. Now... Any other person would have just drove on through, not even look back, because it's already bad enough you hit an animal, right? And there's no damage to the car, so you might as well keep going. And there was no damage to his car. But he looked over at the wolf and he tried to see if it was still alive, poked it with a stick and everything, picked it up to move it out of the way. As soon as he grasped upon that wolf, the wolf bit him. <laughs> And, and it was kind of it was kind of funny. I was sitting there. I was like, "Oh man, he's, he's surprised that he ain't been mauled by that." <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at the clip right now. It was like, "Oh my god!" But you see the fact that he got bit by it. That one bite there will happily change his life for the rest of his days. Because as soon as he went back home, he managed to see his wife, his humdrum lifestyle. We see like how he's going to be demoted soon enough because. Christopher Plummer's company bought his company, and they're like, oh, we're not going to keep him. We're going to go with the younger guy. But you see, after a while, things started to change. His senses became more acute. His attitude started to shift a little bit. Even when they were at the party where he found out that James Spader got his job, you know, his wife was sitting there like, that bastard, how could he? Yada, yada, yada. And his wife was a pretty brunette woman. I don't really care to know her name. But the thing about it is, she has some ulterior things too. Because see, certain people—I don't know about you—but if somebody lost something that was crucial to them, nobody would be making all those kind of excuses. They'd be sitting there with their with their partner and being like, "Hmm, let's make some moves. Where else can you go? What else are we gonna do?" And all those kind of things. You know what I'm saying? It's a team effort. But she went ahead and said all those things like she's not even a part of that ship. So that's kind of, you know, shaky. So going into it, you see Will, as he starts to become more and more of a aggressive and more attuned to what he tries to do, he tries to do a little bit of sexual pleasure with his wife, you know, renewed energy so he can go ahead and do these things. But his wife didn't seem to be too down, So that's another hint right there. So later on, he decides to set a meeting up with his boss to go meet her. Now, earlier at the party, he did eventually meet up with Christopher Plummer's daughter, played by Michelle Pfeiffer. And Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, hot off of that Batman Returns look, man. She's just, whoo! She was a top number then. She still kind of is. But the thing is, man, this is her at her finest. And she played a very sexy role to counter him. And after a while, you know, they had a pretty, pretty good start there. But this time as soon as he went back to confront his boss about it and saying like yeah I, i'm gonna leave my job i don't need you blah, blah 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 and all that sort of thing he and her were talking and you can see like he and her were talking after a while because his wolf power was starting to show again and animals just can't handle the sight of an apex predator around them, let alone the scent because he drove all the horses wild during the first time he was at the party he did it again while she was on the horse. <laughs> and then I had flashbacks of what happened to Christopher Reeve as she fell down. Because, you know, once you fall off a horse, especially thoroughbreds, it ain't pretty. But you see, luckily she was okay. You tried to see if she was okay and everything else. And then, like, you know, Christopher Plummer came out there. And then they all had their talk. She doesn't approve of him being around her daughter. You know, that's a t- typical scenario. But the thing about it is, because they're both considered outcasts, they kind of find they kind of find a camaraderie together. And indeed he stays over at her house for lunch. They eat peanut butter and jelly and milk. And it was a pretty good um standoff between them. You know. But you see, eventually he had to get back to his old lifestyle. So as he did, he went back to his home, but he could smell the scents were different. He could smell like certain things are not right. So then he was looking around for his wife. And then he started to follow her scent throughout the city. Somehow he did this. Followed her scent and went right to where James Spader's house was. And there they both were standing together. Well, technically, he went right into James Spader's house, bit him on the arm, and then utilized his wolf power to run up the stairs to see where his wife was. And there his wife was standing in the bedroom with the putting down shirt that belonged to James Spader. <laughs> Oh, man, like, you know, after a while, you got to realize there's two and two to everything. Of course she was sleeping with him. So not only did the man want his job, his livelihood, even wanted his bed and his old bag, even though she didn't look that old. But you could tell that they've been whacking around for a while, too. And I felt sorry for him. But at the same time, I kind of knew because, you see, it's not like that vibe wasn't there between him and <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer going to Smash. So as I look at it, I'm like, yeah, you don't need to worry about that no more, pal. You better get some better, some, some better loving in a little bit. <laughs> and in doing so, you know, he separates from her in the movie. This is where the movie gets kind of different at times because, see, he's starting to wake up with newer powers on himself. And then as he can find out that he can smell things, he can hear things, he can anticipate different things, kind of like Wolverine. And he starts to morph into the wolf. Because there's moments where he's running about in the city as a wolf. And then there's uh, another moment where he's chasing a deer. Yeah, he's he's running after a deer. And he bites into the deer. I mean, granted, it it, it was like, you know, when they utilize the different werewolf effects, they slow down the frame rate of certain things. So you see it like he's moving a lot faster than he should. But as I see him going about it, I had Logan vibes as I was watching. I was like, Hugh Jackman, who? If they were actually thinking about doing serious X-Men movies, I would have I would have recruited Jack Nicholson to be Wolverine. I'm telling you. The, just the way it looks. If you ever look back at it sometime, check it out. But indeed, as he was moving across the landscapes, he managed to catch that deer, bite into its neck, and then <laughs> had a very good hankering for it all. And keep in mind, around this time, he has been staying around... Um, michelle pfeiffer a little bit you know because his uh whole thing you know he can't go back home he's still trying to find a place to get to so he starts living in like a mo- uh, hotel or an apartment set up you know because he-, he just couldn't be around her anymore and his wife tried to get him back because he had this big plan to go ahead and buy out every single writer that's a part of the publishing house so he can just overthrow uh, christopher Plummer's company It was a good bluff, and like Christopher Plummer actually was proud of him for doing it because it showed him how ruthless and aggressive he can be. And so he ended up getting his job back, and then James Spader has no lick of getting that job. He's still where he needs to be, and at the same time, he still has to report to Jack Nicholson. I thought that was a pretty good power play that he did. You know what I'm saying? Because, hey, if you're the one that's been doing business with so many people from time to time, and somebody tries to rub you out, you pretty much can control the shots because people are comfortable working with you. And if they're comfortable working with you, they don't want to work with nobody else. That's too much time and too much gelling to do. So, see, it, it just works out. little Wolf of Wall Street kind of thing. I don't know how far you can go now because nowadays they have, like, writings to scrub that up. But you see what I'm saying throughout all that. His life changed a lot. However, he started to become more of an animal. There were times where he'd be out in the city and these three hoods try to rob him and he ended up just <laughs> messing them both up. Like he managed to break the arm of one of the hoods and managed to get a lot of blood out of them. Later on, we find out the family around that, <laughs> that young hood was saying this, like, if it was a white boy that had a gun, they'd be over there serving them and everything. It, it was wild. It was one of them things you had to catch. But. You know, it's like this. Why was your boy out in the street trying to gangbang somebody? You think that that turns out to be a werewolf and you think that he's going to get out alive? The fact that he's in the hospital, that says a lot right there. You understand what I'm saying? You see, like, he started to find out that he was doing certain things. So he went to consult somebody who specialized in werewolves and like what he could use to control the beast. And see, the thing is, if you're a werewolf, you cannot control the beast in you. You have to find something to try to keep it at bay. So when he went to meet this mystic, the mystic had an amulet, a silver amulet that he could wear when during the time, whenever the moon shows and he goes through his phases, it could keep it at bay. It's almost like Wolf's Bane almost. But when you have something that's silver and real silver, I should say, not fake silver, real silver going on, you can kind of withhold it back. It's going to be painful as hell, but you can go ahead and push back the transformation a little bit. And you'll start to get one hell of a rash. So you might want to make sure you get that checked out. But you see, as he went through that scenario, the mystic also said, "Mm, I always wanted the power. How about uh, submitting your curse to me? And Jack Nicholson wisely declined. And you know, and as you should, because see, as uh, I've noticed this, vampires, monsters that are made by any unconventional means, and werewolves, You know, usually they don't ask to be what they are when we deal with them. Sometimes they're more tragic than need be. You had to get a lot of powers and they get to do all the fun stuff. But then there's, you know, sometimes you can't walk out in the sunlight. Sometimes you can't control yourself or who you might have killed. And then there comes that circumstance where anybody out there has your weakness and you're going to feel a lot of pain before you go anywhere. You know what I'm saying? So that's why at the same time, you, you kind of do, but you kind of don't want to be any sort of one of those creatures. But you see, with Jack Nicholson, though, unfortunately, when he goes out there, he's a threat to everybody around him. So he tries to find a way to hold the beast in. Unfortunately, the person that he bit is also changing, too. And as James Spader changes... He doesn't necessarily want to stay in the same cage like Jack does. And he does that by killing his wife. By ripping out her throat and everything and try to frame him for it. And he's such a... James Spader being James Spader is just... <laughs> he's such a damn liar in this movie. Because he was telling the cops all about it. It had this whole sob story going on. And you see Michelle Pfeiffer trying to help out Jack Nicholson the whole time. She doesn't really believe him being a wolf, but then she kind of notices different things about him, because like how he takes off after they have um, the best sex ever, it seems like, or how sexually aggressive he gets, and she starts to believe after a while. And then she starts to find out certain things, because as soon as we see James Spader, his eyes are not necessarily the same color anymore; they're all yellow rimmed and everything. So, and he gives very dramatic details of what happened that night, and still trying to frame his boss. So by all that stuff taken into account, she left the police station. The police station, the police were like, oh, well, if she's gone. We we don't need it anymore. We got his testimony. We'll just run with that. This is how useless the police are in this movie. But as soon as James Spader found that out, he was like, oh, oh, she's hoarding him and everything. Well, I'll get to the bottom of this. Because, see, that's more ass for him. And not only that, that's booty that his boss is banging. And then this is the perfect time to get revenge by raping and killing her. So he drives after her. After killing all of her um, security guards who don't know the meaning of security, by the way. Because she said, don't let anybody through into the gates or anything. <laughs> and, man, does he wreck them. James Spader is loving the role of being a, uh, being a wolf man. Hell, we should have made the movie around him. But this is a tragic story. And you see Jack Nicholson is in the uh, stables and stuff because he didn't want to change and he still has the uh, amulet around him. That way so he can protect her and she figured that's a safe space for him to be in. Because if not, he's going to thrash around the rooms and all that stuff. So, yada, 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 onward, onward. You see James Spader manages to catch up to him. He has her right where he needs her and he was going to go ahead, he was going to do the rape. But you see, the thing is, Michelle Pfeiffer held her own. So all that stuff about there's no strong female lead, y'all need to watch this movie because Michelle Pfeiffer kind of had him on the ropes there for a little bit. Sprayed CO2 around him, hit him in the head with the fire extinguisher, ran into the stables, and then like James Spader on her, trying to claw and trying to get all up in that booty. But you see, she wasn't going to let it. She kept booting him in the head, all wrestling him around. I was like, yeah, she holding her own. She's doing the one thing that a lot of people tend not to do when there's a werewolf around them. And you see Jack in there. He's trying to get that amulet off because he knows that he's the only one that can put a stop to it. So eventually he does get the amulet off of him and he starts to change. And you see the scenes echo back and forth because, like I say, slow-mo, 90 movies, you know what I'm saying. So he starts to change and then he leaps over the stable and then he starts to battle James Spader on his own terms. And a lot of people say that this fight was kind of corny from time to time. I thought it was visceral. I mean, it wasn't as brutal as like, say like if it was the Hulk versus the Abomination, but I like seeing two werewolves fight it out. You know, it's, it's like a Discovery Channel kind of moment. And you see as they were getting down and they were beating each other up and crap, he managed to throw James Spader across the fairway onto the steps where he fell at. And it just shows the show that Jack Nicholson, while older, is a lot more powerful than he is. But you see, James Spader got back up. He was ready to come after him again. jump right behind him and stuff. So you see, he was caught up in mid-jump by a barrage of bullets fired by Michelle Pfeiffer. Which took him down into the ground. Well, not into the ground, into the fountain. Where he bled out and died instantly. Now keep in mind, there's no specification on whether these bullets are silver or not. But at this point, you don't really care because you just saw two werewolves fight it out. So it's like, hmm, all right, then. And after that, you know, they he looked at her. She looked at him. She held his hand, but he had to slide her his hand away from her. He said he can't be around her right now. Too dangerous. So he started to run away from her and everything and then started to change into the full wolf because there was a full moon happening. This movie was a little different because the phases of the moon, Led to how you would change. Not necessarily a full moon where you change into wolf. So that's one of those different five types of werewolves. We're not going to go into that right now. But you see he did become the full wolf at the end of the movie. However, the curse did pass on because James Spader, all that clawing, all that licking and everything he did to Michelle Pfeiffer earlier. Or, I don't know, they never specify whether it came from him or whether it came from Jack. Now, it might have came from Jack because, you know... Jack was in there, you know, pumping his rod. So let's be honest, she probably got it from Jack, (laughs) but um, she became a wolf, too. And she even said, like, archetypes, like she could smell certain things a mile away. So in the end, we knew that she became a wolf and then she started to transform. I would have loved to have seen a sequel to this film with her in it. I mean, maybe she caught up with Jack and Ian, or maybe she just went ahead and said this is her turn now. You know, there's so many ways you could work with that. But at the same time, considering how it ended on a pretty good note, you kind of don't need a sequel. Now, let's bring the time machine back to the 80s where, you know, they were making a resurgence of horror films at certain points. I mean, you look at like Teen Wolf, you look at... At, at the same time... Teen movies and horror movies were getting a pretty good boom and a mixture with each other. Like, you got Teen Witch, you got um, Fright Night, and you got The Lost Boys, and then you have Wolfen, you have uh, that scene where, in Fright Night where Evil Ed turned into a werewolf. Granted, he wasn't going to go ahead and kill, he was trying to, but you see, Peter Vincent wasn't going to let that happen and took him out with that... (laughs) that took him out with that rod and stabbed it right into him didn't stab it into him too deep though but it's just back in those days you had practical effects when people would transform and it would just look amazing you know and i'll be honest on this show i haven't really been giving joe dante enough credit because he directed the howling and the howling was just one of those movies like oh my god how could i leave this behind because it was damn good. I mean, think about it. Say like if you're a reporter and you covered a big story with a serial killer. To meet up with said serial killer. So you can see why he does what he does. Almost like an exclusive. To which D. Wallace. And D. Wallace in her fine days. You know what I'm saying? The mom from E.T. was actually very hot. And you see. She was to meet with the serial killer known as Eddie in this. And she did meet with him. In the back of an adult film theater. And you see. It was crazy. Because he would show his work. About how he would brutally rape women and stuff. And then he was ready to show her more. And he was slowly becoming a beast. Beat cop officers came in there. And they found out where he was. And they shot Eddie up. And see Eddie was. Quote dead at the time. But you see it was very traumatizing for Dee Wallace. Because she couldn't even go back to her job. And she had such a. Such a relapse into where she was, they were like, okay, you can't do your job. And then a psychiatrist who was conveniently being interviewed in the same area was talking about his area known as the colony. And then he went ahead and talked to her. He said, you know what? You need to come to the colony retreat. We'll have the finest resources for you. You'll come back good as new. Don't ever listen to advice like this. Don't ever go to a colony anywhere because they might have a whole den of people that you're not comfortable with. And to which it, to the form they were not. Her and her husband, Bill, obviously there's always a husband named Bill, go to this retreat. And they manage to meet some of the locals. And they are a crazy wild bunch. They have a good time. They're eating good meat on the beach. And they're just enjoying themselves. Very relaxed. Strange, but very relaxed. But little did you realize, every single one of these personality quirks come from the idea that they're not quite human. And you see, the, the doctor knows this. And several of them, you start to see, you start to see the old guy saying, I gotta kill myself, my teeth aren't what they used to be. And it's like, yeah, I think I know why you want to kill yourself, Pop. <laughs> Starting to get those broken <laughs> broken choppers in your mouth. And I know exactly why that is, because you ain't been transforming like you should have. And as you see how things lead up, two of her underlings at the news studio, they were trying to do studies on what Eddie was, because while Eddie was shot, there was no body. There was blood all around here, and they were trying to figure out exactly what was going on, and they started doing a lot of research on wolves, lycanthropy, and all sorts of other information, and also information about like what Eddie had, because Eddie had different pictures of things that took place at the colony. So they put two and two together. Her friend Terry actually went over there. Her friend Chris stayed behind. And you see, when Terry went over there, and she was doing a lot of investigations, she managed to find out certain things are played out the way that they are coercing. A lot of evil, a lot of... This place is not natural. And in another scene that took place, her husband Bill gave into temptation. See, he was not a meat eater. But you see, he did hunt with the guys, and when he hunt with the guys, he found out this rabbit and stuff, he went over there to get it cooked and you know, ready by the, uh, one of the people on there. And you see, she was the temptress pretty much. I don't care to know her name, but she was the temptress and she liked bill boy, because guess what? Ended up biting him. And then after she bit him and then Terry went over to the retreat, you see the night afterwards, old bill, you know, he said, I just ain't feeling it with D Wallace right now. I got to go meet the Temptress. So he went over to the Temptress and they had an initiating ceremony. (laughs) Yeah, with a lot of ins and outs. And as they did that, they both transformed. And you got to see all of the colony just howl the night away while Dee Wallace laid there with her. um, Well, she was going through stuff throughout the whole thing. I mean, she didn't really kick in until like the second act. So, she's still laid up there paralyzed, whereas, like, you know, Terry was still doing her investigation along Chris, and then by the time she got there, she managed to run into one of the wolves, she had her hatchet, cut that mother hand off, and then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, see, this is the show I can't cuss on, cut his hand off, blood coming out of there and everything, she saw it transform back into a man's hand, and then she was like, oh, I gotta hurry up and get to the main house, so she got to the main colony house, tried to call Chris, Chris is on the line, she's like, He's like, Terry, Terry, what's going on? And then Terry's like, well, you know about all those wolves and everything? Well, here's the... And then all of a sudden, here comes this full-size wolf looking in there. And little did it turn to be, it was Eddie. Eddie still had the bullet holes and scars from everything of their first encounter. But you see, the thing about it is, Eddie wasn't the one that she cut. Because he's the one that's still standing there with full length hands and everything. They grabbed her up, bit on her neck, and broke everything in her. She, she couldn't survive. That was the hulking mass of a man there. Nothing she could do about it. But you see, throughout all that, Bill and Dee Wallace, they were going through their whole issue with each other. And you see, the thing is, Bill's like, you know what, I, I ain't going to deal with this right now. He's a lot more aggressive than he usually is. Bill was like the passive husband. You know, he's pretty much there while his wife was more or less the go-getter. And you see, well, he did own some gyms, and he was about health food and all that stuff, but not anymore. The man was about eating meat and stuff after a while. And a lot more aggressive, because as soon as she called him out on his behavior, he pimp slapped her and everything. And then, like, Dee Wallace, started crying, but she, she went ahead and walked away from him. But as she walked away, little did she realize she stumbled to the terror room, where her friend Terry is laying there dead. And then her old friend, Eddie, looked at her and said, yeah, hey. I heard you wanted to look into my mind. I wanted to show you some of my world. And he's all looking at the craziest stuff. And like, he started to transform. Like he's one of those that can actually will his transformation. And that's, that's something I got to give the howling. At least these guys can will their transformations. And then he started to change and turn into that hairy massive beast. It, it, it was to the point where it's like, you know, if you look at the transformation sequence from that or the transformation sequence from American werewolf in London, Those guys must have had the same people working on it because it was very intense. And you see, he was about to get her too, boy. He was about to go ahead and get her. But you see, Chris managed to make it to the island. Or no, 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 she escaped. She got away from him quickly. But the thing about it is, eventually Chris made it to the island because, or the colony, I should say. We never specify whether it's an island or if it's just an area off off center. But you see, the thing is, Chris did make it there. And he managed to get them silver bullets in that rifle because they were about to do something up to D. Wallace, man. <laughs> and you see, as soon as he got there, he saw Eddie. Eddie looking at him. And he looking at Eddie. He got his gun ready. Of course, you know, like, he lost his gun there for a moment. But you see, Eddie's like, yeah, here, take the gun, man. Think of it as a gift. And you see... Yeah, don't your dumbass know anything? <laughs> because he was thinking that they were regular bullets. Eddie became the dumbass after that. Because old Chris went, pop, pow. pow Silver bullets right up in him. Couldn't handle it. Fell out. And you see, Chris had to make it all the way to where they were out at that barn having that hootenanny because they were going to go ahead and do something up to D. Wallace. So as he had the gun ready and all this stuff, just set to go, he looking at all of them, and they looking at him, and he shot one of them. He said, I got silver bullets. And then the other one looking at him saying, Shh, silver bullets, my ass. And then all of a sudden, tried to come at him, Chris shot him right in the throat. <laughs> Blood coming right on up. They were all pretty shook then. And you see, at this certain point, the doctor even tried to say, you know... We, we can't kill D. Wallace because D. Wallace is a famous TV anchor. If we do that, then they'll throw more attention and all that stuff. They don't want to listen to him anymore. As a matter of fact, the temptress went up. Pimp slapped the crap out of him. Clawed him down as he laid there. And the doctor was uh, laid out for a little while because he was useless. But this was his idea anyway. And you see, as he had silver bullets, the doc even looked up and said, oh, wow. And he walked right to him. Chris said, don't come any closer. Shot the doctor with the silver bullets, but the doctor said thank god and just died. So you see all the other ones that were still in the barn and stuff. They managed to close the door on him and D. Wallace. Slam the, um, slam one of the rifles in there to keep the barn from opening. And you could see them all trying to get up and out of there. I was like, that, that's not going to hold them. Especially if a werewolf has the ability to will his transformation and bust through anything. That's not going to hold them. But it was a good idea because they ended up having gas and they ran with the gas to light up the barn and everything else. Cause that's what they were gonna do to D. Wallace. And you see, as soon as they got into one of the cars to escape, them homeboys were busting up out of there <laughs> no soon afterwards, chasing them and everything. And then of course, you know, the whole the whole colony is werewolves. Because they had like the cops standing out there, he all grinning with his big fangs and stuff, and he's shooting at them, messing up old Chris's car. And then they got out of the car, shot him up with the silver bullets. I don't care how many rounds Chris has. It's whatever. He's the white knight for this. So he's getting into his car, and they're getting into the police car getting away. And more and more of them are chasing him. And then one of them happens to be in there, claws up Dee Wallace. And yeah, so she's got the disease. Chris manages to She manages to grab Chris's gun, shoot that werewolf in the throat, and that werewolf turned out to be Bill. Convenient, yes, but it kind of makes sense. It's poetic justice. However, the other three werewolves are still standing out there, howling the night away, left about. And then later on, we're at the television station again, where, you know, the Wallace is about to make her big, uh, presentation. And she says, we have to prove to the world that, that they exist. And you see, the best way she could do that was to transform during a broadcast, in which she did. But at the same time, You know, you could tell that old Chris didn't want to shoot the gun again, but he had one more bullet and he had to take her out, to which he did on TV. I mean, it kind of reminds you of They Live, when as soon as everything was exposed, but you see, considering how people look at TV and they always say, ah, those are special effects, it's, it's bittersweet on how it was all resolved. And then not only that, but see, there's no doctor to keep those wolves on the colony anymore. So, those three wolves left the colony. And one of them turned out to be the Temptress who was in the bar where they were pretty much debunking whether what they saw on TV was real or not. So in the end, it was just a bittersweet ending. And because of that, that's why I like this movie so much. Because you never really can stop a whole disease of these things, you know? You have to shoot these critters, it's them or us. And then anybody could be a werewolf, anybody could be a zombie, anybody could be a vampire. Uh, Maybe some sort of monster, who knows. But the thing is, anybody could be any of those things. It could be your best friend and you got to take them out. And then you might have to take out yourself because you don't know. You might have the disease too. That's what makes this stuff so interesting. And the thing about The Howling is, it's a, it's a franchise of different movies. I think it's like seven of them. And good luck trying to track all of them down because they're all over the place. Different locations and stuff. But it's just like, hmm. I mean, each one is good. It's just a varying details. I remember episode... No, not episode. I remember Howling 3 where it took place in the Outback and they developed pouches for themselves. Weird, yes. But at the same time, it was like... So this is more or less the biology of the wolf when you look at certain things you're like hmm like when you look at American Werewolf in London you know you feel sorry for the guy when you kill him at the end but when you look at American Werewolf in Paris it's like oh man this is just an unnecessary sequel Uh, depending depending because half the time you didn't really see the wolves in the movie until like certain periods of time and then it's always one person that is the wolf and the other person that isn't and a lot more CGI effects But as I look into it for the Monster Fest this year, I was glad to go ahead and look at these two films. I mean, at the end of the day, it was just like, hmm, certain things to take care of here. Anyway, let's, anyway, I think I've been drawing on this a little too much. As a matter of fact, we're about to end the show. So, here's the thing. For those of you out there that do love werewolves and stuff, I wanted to find you something that was good for the genre. So, tonight's gaming recommendation is Killer Instinct on Xbox. All of them. Because Saberwolf is there. And he's one of the best characters in the game. Matter of fact, if you want to play sometime, I do have a show coming for that. So, keep an eye out on it. But for those of you on the Xbox side of things, definitely Killer Instinct. And those of you on the um, PlayStation side of things, Well, I did give you Mortal Kombat 11 last week, right? Or was it? No. No, it was the week before. But definitely Mortal Kombat 11. Because we will not go ahead and weigh one more than the other one. And since you're getting technically a double special this week, that is your gaming recommendation for this episode. There will be another gaming recommendation for the next episode. And you see the thing about this is... Oh, wow. So, Wolf, it is coming. It's coming tomorrow. (laughs) oh man you know you gotta love the mail anyways this is the j man signing off i hope you're all taking it easy getting where you need to be uh sorry i talked your ear off too much actually i'm not because we need to go ahead and cover these little things